welcome back to the Crash the Pond podcast. And by the end of this week, welcome back to the Anaheim Ducks season. This is the last podcast we are going to have recorded uh, where there has not been a regular season game for the next, I don't know, six months, eight months, whatever whatever it is. Exciting times in Duckland, as a famous person once said. Yeah, shout out Lou. Uh, yeah, definitely exciting time time in Duckland. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I feel like the offseason felt like it took forever while it also went by in a flash, right? Like, it's kind of weird that we're here already, that the preseason's done. Rosters have been set. All of the preseason drama, all the training camp drama is over, finally. Drama? And we can finally move on and just get to the season. Yeah, it is kind of crazy how the offseason felt like it would just never end. And then you get to training camp, and it doesn't quite feel real yet contracts are still up in the air and then all of a sudden bang bang everyone's signed and here we are i mean the nhl season is actually starting on tuesday yeah um but the ducks really lucked out i think and yep. aren't, aren't gonna play until the weekend and so they have more time to lick their wounds to get ready to practice some more and really i mean they're gonna have to they're gonna need all of it because they're gonna have a tough schedule to start but yeah it's going to be fun, but we've got a lot of t- to talk about today. This is going to be a loaded podcast, so strap yourselves in, get comfortable, or I don't know, do whatever you do when you listen to podcasts, but be prepared for the long haul because this one's going to be a good one. Jamie Drysdale, he is signed. He is a duck. After we, on the last podcast, we talked about Trevor Zegers signing his extension, three years, 5.7. Jamie Drysdale comes in at three years as well. 2.3 million AAV, and it felt like this one was a little bit less of a splash just because the, the Trevor Zegers shoe had already dropped, but just your thoughts on Jamie Drysdale being locked up. Oh, thank God it's over. Actually, <laughs> the, the funny thing is, yeah. you were the one, the to give people a little funny story here, you were the one that told me about this deal because I was out and about driving, it was during lunch, and got a text as I was parked from Felix saying, Drysdale... <laughs> and so I was about to get driving again, so called him, and he was the one that told me about the deal that happened. And you and I pers- uh, went that on to like have a month. A go- that feels like a month ago. Feels like for it's weird that we haven't done a podcast since then because yeah. To be fair, you and I talking on the phone basically ended up being like a podcast at that point in time, <laughs> with, with how we dissected and everything like that. But uh, my initial reaction to go back to your original point was just relief, relief that this is done, relief that Drysdale can be in camp. I think same thing is, is kind of my reaction when, when Zegra signed. Relief, excitement, everything along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, three years, 2.3, Evolving Hockey had him uh, pinned right around there projection-wise. Yep. And so now he's kind of in a similar boat as Trevor Zegras. He's not going to be – he's going to have two more seasons until he's a UFA after that. And really this sets up the ducks nicely once again, where they don't have to worry about a scenario where a guy only has one year until his UFA eligibility. So they still have a nice runway afterwards to, I think to get him an, locked up. I think there's an extra year after that, actually. Right? Uh, well, so he's signed for three years. So 23, 24, 24, 25, 25, 26, and I then think 26, he 27, 27, 28. And I Puck think he Pedia is not has a, his, Puckpedia has it like that. They have him at 2028 20, for his, uh, for his UFA year. All right. I want to DM them because I kind of think it's one more year later because he did not get a full year of service last year. Okay. Well, because you go for that. Yep. We'll find out. Wouldn't he have been 
Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, his fr- yeah. his the the he started his contract started the same time as Zegris or years of service all started the same time as Zegris, so he would be a UFA one year later than Zegris in the situation. Um, if I last th- year I, did not I count th- as a year of service, I feel like we had talked about this on the phone and we had gotten to the conclusion that it's 2028, but I forget how we got there. Yeah, I do too. I think maybe I was in the car and didn't fully grasp it. Anyway, doesn't matter. The point yep. is like they're avoiding that one year scenario and. I think that what's interesting about the Drysdale situation versus the Trevor Zegers situation is that Elliot Freeman talked about on the 32 Thoughts podcast that the Ducks never really budged on Jamie Drysdale. And it basically sounds like he Drysdale is the one that blinked and that he just kind of wanted to get back in there and play, which I do not blame him at all for. But it seems like whereas with, with Trevor Zegers, the Ducks came up to his number pretty significantly, mm-hmm. it, it would in fact seem... It seems like they kind of had their way with Jamie Drysdale in terms of what how this ultimately shook uh, shook out. Yeah, and that kind of makes makes sense with everything we, everything we heard about this deal. Um, and I think it makes it also makes sense, and it kind of verifies everything we talked about last week with with Trevor Zegers, right? And a lot of people saying kind of they met in the middle. No, it sounded like more or less they they met Zegers at his number, and this was a little bit of the opposite, right? Yeah, and um, it kind of feels like Drysdale may have over-evaluated where he was at. We really don't know at the end of it all because we don't know any of There's the two negotiating sides. Um, but you have Jamie Drysdale basically coming in at, what was it, 2.275? I have cap friendly open right now. Uh, 2.3. 2.3. And Evolving Hockey had him projected if he signed in the August 1st, October 12th window at 2.429 on a three-year uh, deal. So basically market value, depending no matter yeah. which way you look at it. And... I mean, at the end of the day, that's great for him. Great for Zegras. They both got exactly what they deserved from essentially where the market dictated they should be. And the Ducks get two guys under contract for three years at very um, cap-friendly deals for the two teams as a result of it being a three-year term. Um, the downside to that from the Ducks' perspective is if both these guys show up and go out, go out and go off over the next three years, after three years, they are going to have to really pay up for both of these players. Yep. So that that is essentially the the two sides of this. Yeah, and at that point the Ducks are going to have to be signing, you know, other contracts like they're the the summer which or Drysdale's an RFA. So so Cap Friendly Cap Friendly has him as an RFA. So his next contract when it comes up, Mitchukov will be coming up, Luno will be coming up, Leo Carlson will be coming up and Zegers will be coming up. So all five of those guys are going to be RFAs the same summer. So, I mean, that is kind of the, like you were saying, the other side to this whole bridge deal situation is now you're creating more work for yourself in a shorter period of time. Like, it's possible that they try to get this done sooner for some of these guys. Like, I don't think, I don't, I hope, but I don't think that all five of them are just, they're going to take them all the way down to the wire, all five the same summer. That seems kind of unwise, especially with like Leo Carlson, but. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be really interesting now that that summer of 2027 is going to be or sorry, summer of 2026 is going to be another one to watch. Also, me... I should I should just point out that Cam Fowler and Radko Gudis come off the books that summer. Yes. And summer prior to that, you have Frank Vetrano coming off the books. Um, so I, this upcoming summer after this, you have Silverberg and Henrique coming off the books. So there is money coming off the books in the upcoming years that the Ducks will be able to uh allocate to there and you also have the uh 
conversation around the salary cap supposedly going up, I think, to 87 and a half is yeah. what I think Elliot Friedman said the rumor is. Um, so there's that. I, I do wonder, this is now jumping ahead a little bit, but it's relevant to the conversation of the three-year term. I wonder how that does impact some of the conversations that the, internally the Ducks are having with Pavel Minchukov and uh, Tristan Leno. And we'll get into more of this overall when we break down the rosters completely. But both those guys are eligible for entry-level sli- uh, entry level slides. And so if they play over nine games, if they play 10 games or more, it will uh, count as a year off their ELC. And while I typically don't think that matters as much as the general public makes it out to be, because at the end of the day, if they don't play the full season, um, they're not going to have that great of numbers. It will help the Ducks from the negotiating perspective. So all in all, it's not as, uh, as much of a negative impact on the team to burn that year as it's typically made out to be by a lot of people. But I think when you're looking at this long-term planning, right, and if you can maybe push out Michukov and Leno an extra year, that maybe helps out from that perspective. I don't know if that is going to play into any of the decision-making here, but it's just something to keep in mind. Well, I mean, scroll down to the non-roster players because summer of 2026, Gaucher is an RFA, um, Zellweger is an RFA, Noah Warren is an RFA, Tyson Hines is an RFA. Correct. So, well, no. Well, Noah Warren is ELC slide, I think. Okay. Well, that's uh, what they have yeah. listed right now. So, 2026. Yeah, correct. But he's probably not going to play in the NHL this year. He's already been sent back down to junior, so he will not well, be. Well, okay. So, remove Warren. I mean, you still yes. have Zellweger. You still have Hines. You still have Gaucher. You still have Passajov. And then you add uh, that to the other. Gaucher will be ELC slide also. Okay. So. Just, just trying to add that context here. Zellweger and Hines. Um you know, you can add them into that mix as well. And really, I mean, unless those two are ELC slide eligible as well, which I don't see the arrow. So hopefully Jake won't, you know, correct me here, but that group is going to be a big one. And maybe what you're saying is right, that they're going to use those little levers to try to make that a little more palatable for themselves in that summer. We'll see. Yep. Although, I mean, you just mentioned, we just talked about Noah Warren and Nathan Gauthier. I mean, if you push out, if you do an entry-level slide for Minchikov and Leno and don't play them 10 games or more, then you have all four of those guys the next summer. So it, it I think this is just kind of what happens when you have so many high-quality prospects yeah. coming into the team. It's just you're stuck on three-year deals with those guys no matter what, and they're always going to line up. I think the interesting thing is just the fact that Drysdale and, and Zegers also signed to those three-year deals, but could just be the, the, the nature of the beast in this situation. Well, I mean, like it's like I said on the last podcast, I think that in both scenarios, it's a matter of the team not being sold on the players completely and not ready to commit long term. I mean, Alec Freeman even said it, that this was always basically the negotiations started on bridge deals. Yeah, there was there was never a discussion of long term deals. And so like that's on the team, you know, this headache that they're going to have that they're going to yeah. have to do some maneuvering like you, you, you have to sleep in the bed that you make and. They are not. They were not sold enough on Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale to commit long term. You know, Pat Brisson had had or Pierre LeBron quoted Pat Brisson saying that they would have been open to a long term deal. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see on that. But just to get back to Jamie Drysdale, though, I think that it's just going to be fascinating now because we don't have to think about this anymore. And to me, he's maybe in my top three most interesting Ducks players yeah. this this season. Like, we haven't seen him play in, in what feels like forever. It has been forever. It's been, like, over a year. And he's going to have to show and he's going to have to prove that he's more than just kind of this guy who can skate 
kind of fancy skating up the ice Mm -hmm. and that's that's it like he has to show that there's more depth to his game I think he can do that and I think he probably will do that but this is a big year for him because like we were just talking about with all the RFAs down the road like there's there's a lot of competition on on the on the blue line for the Ducks that's coming up and I think also just kind of out of curiosity to see how he plays after a year off right like yeah I think from all the the information we've seen all the videos we've seen everything like that he's definitely put on some muscle and put on some muscle mass there to really help out with him down low. And I'm just curious to see how he plays after that much time off. I'm very intrigued by the potential for having him paired with Cam Fowler. Um, and, and this is really just a massive, massive year for him because I think you and I both saw some improvements in his game to start last season. And specifically, I think the Ducks power play was at their best in a, like one or two game stretch that he was on the top unit. Like, I think they actually yeah. looked really dynamic with, with him there. And so I'm very curious if he's going to get another look at that position. And I, it's just, I think it's going to be really nice to see him on the ice, really nice to see him out there. I think him getting signed, even if it was this late, the fact that the Ducks have a full week until their first game, um, or a full week from uh, when he signed, over a full week from when he signed, that gives him more than enough time to try to get up to speed. Sure, it's not ideal, it's not perfect. But the Ducks playing their first game on Saturday really will help out with him because they have a full week of practice this week. Yeah. And so the the, the question of the whole hardball thing, you know, with Pat Verbeek, did it work this time? I mean, you look at the deal that Jamie Drysdale got, and it is still a fair deal for both sides in terms of the AV, like the number that he would get, the AV he would get at that term. So I don't really consider this necessarily a, a quote-unquote win for Pat Verbeek in terms of the actual number, but you could say it's a win for Paverbeek and that this is the contract that they wanted and they got it. Like they got Correct. exactly the contract they want. So Correct. They're not really saving money in in the contract that they wanted, but they also got the contract they wanted. So Correct. Yeah, this one we don't have as much of an idea cuz it's been a bit more tight-lipped of what Drysdale was asking for, so it's really hard to say one way or the other in terms of if the hardball worked or not. Yeah. Uh moving on. So we have a lot to get through here. We do. Roster moves. Roster moves. This is uh, is a quick-hitting list, but I'll just go through each item, and you can react to each. This this might make it easier. So I'm not going to beat around the bush here. I'm going to give you the floor. Zach Cassian released from PTO. Can I go on my victory lap right now? Take your victory lap. Take Take my victory lap, because the first time we discussed this, right? A Patreon podcast. What Correct. was uh what did I say on that episode? Don't really feel like ta- don't really feel like talking about PTOs that much. Let's talk about it when he signed to a contract. We proceeded to talk about it for a good 10 to 15 minutes, begrudgingly for myself though. Did not want to talk about it, did not feel the need to talk about it. And as this went on in camp, you heard the voices come up of uh he's made it this far in camp. How is he not going to get signed? And I think actually kind of the lesson learned from my perspective on this is guys making it deeper in camp actually probably make it less likely that he's going to get signed. You look at Nathan Bolu, He was signed earlier. He was signed, I think, October 1st last year. So earlier on in camp. And you had um, Rocco Grimaldi go basically the entire camp, playing every single game, scoring a bunch of goals, not getting signed to a deal, released from his PTO and signed to uh, AHL only deal. And I think just as the season, as the preseason went on, as the the roster started taking more and more shape, it just became 
a situation where I just didn't see a roster spot for him at all. Because with the fact of it becoming clear that Bo Grew was going to be on this roster and Leo Carlson not being as hurt, and we'll get into the injury. We still haven't even talked about that part of it. We'll get there. Uh, we'll get there. But that left the Ducks at 13 skaters. And it really seemed like the Ducks were going to go eight defensemen, and that just left no open roster spots. And yeah, it just didn't make sense to also sign Zach Cassian to a deal if well, Leo Carlson was hurt because yeah. he was going to be coming back from injury at some point. So then you wave him and send him to the goals. And it's like, do they really want to do that? Does Cassian even really want that? Because keep in mind, he's on a PTO. He does not have to sign a contract off of it. If he thinks that he's going to just go to the AHL once this team's healthy, that's probably not exactly a situation he wants to be in. So it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Felt like a lot of worrying and turned out to just be that. Well, here's also why it didn't make sense. Zach Cassian sucks. Well, yeah. That, Zach, that, Zach Cassian is just fair. Like watching him play was oh. just kind of like, oh man, like just so slow, not making the right plays. Like it was just like, man, hard to watch. I am so happy that I can talk about the game from last Thursday without even having the like someone saying, well, he's going to be signed, so we're going to have to deal with it. I mean, I think um, it was weird that they kept using him on the power play. Like, I mean, they were, it didn't. They, anyway, we're done with this. We don't Regardless, have to talk about yes, it ever again. He had awful reads that game. I was sitting on the side where they got a lot of power plays. I think he blocked more shots than the goalie saved on the power plays in that game. Um, <laughs> you mean it, you mean blocking his own team's shots? Correct. Correct. Yeah. He was a great penalty killer. He cleared the zone for yeah. the Coyotes in that game. Like, was a fantastic yeah. penalty killer. Some ill-advised penalties that he took too. Um, not great, not great, yeah. Bob. Okay, yep. moving moving on. Olin yep. Zellweger sent down. Um, bummer, bummer, because he's a fun player. Would have liked to see him play, but personally, I think that this is a good this is a good move for him. He gets to go play under Matt McIlvain. He's going to develop. His timing just seemed a little off in the preseason, and was just kind of trying to force it a little too much, trying to be the guy instead of just playing within the flow of the game. And now he gets to go work on that in San Diego. And I mean, I'm happy for goals fans because yeah. the, the goals now just got a huge shot in the arm in terms of watchability. So. Yeah, one, 100%. And I actually, this is one of the things I was wrong on. One of the stances I had last week was that the Ducks were going to go 8D. And I was right on that side of it. Was not right yeah. on the fact of, I thought they were going to keep Olin Zellweger up and yeah. uh, have uh, him and Minchukov split games. Yeah. And so one of them play on Saturday, one of them play on Sunday. Um, that turned out not to be the case. And I think it's completely fine either way that you want to do it. Um, I think probably what did him in a little bit here in terms of making the team was probably that game in LA. I think that was probably his worst game of the preseason. And that was the last game he played, uh, of the preseason campaign. I think the two games against San Jose, he was really good, especially the one in San Jose. But I think that LA game was a little bit of an adventure for him. And that maybe left an impression to where, if he was trying to earn a roster spot that may have stopped him from doing that. And so you're, you're spot on with the fact that going to the AHL is not going to necessarily be a bad thing for him. There was obviously uh, in our discord and I think it was maybe the Patreon episode. We talked about kind of if the AHL is a good developmental league and there's definitely some questions about that, but I think the environment that the ducks are going to create with the goals and Matt McIlvain is a good development environment overall. And I think, Olin Zellweger is going to benefit from going down there and playing with Matt McIlvain. That's not to say that he would not benefit and develop from being in the NHL also, but he's kind of the odd man out here with he how just much might depth. hurt the NHL team right now. Like that's, that's well, I think the reason why he's going to the AHL. I don't even know if it's that. I just think that 
you I mean, look I think, to the left, I think that's part of it. I think you look at the left side. I think that Minjukov outplayed him in preseason. I think you're spot on in that analysis. And I think Lacombe outplayed him in preseason. So yeah. if you're looking at, and he's not going to play over Cam Fowler. So no. if, if no. you're looking at one of those guys, he's the odd man out. Yeah. I, I just think that with Zellweger, even the games where he was putting up points, he was still making some pretty questionable plays. And kind of to your point, it's just, if you're not really grabbing it by the horns, there's so many other guys that you're just going to get phased out. Um, yep. And then two other quick hitters, Stalock and Agazino down in the AHL. So great news on the Stalock front. I, I mean, sucks for him, I guess, but I'm really happy because I want to see Lucas Dostal play. Um, Andrew Agazino down. Lassie Thompson waved. He's back with the Senators now. Yep. So all that for that. But I mean, really, I think once Drysdale came back and once he had that horrendous game, Yep. That horrendous turnover against Arizona, that was kind of it. Uh, Colton White and Robert Hag down the AHL. We actually haven't been able to talk about that on the podcast. Um, and then Leo Carlson, hurt in practice. We got to, well, I got to see it through Live Barn. <laughs> um, so shout out Live Barn. I mean, it wasn't really pretty. He crashed. He It was a rush drill. He crashed into the board, slipping out while driving to the net and came up really gingerly had to be helped off the ice. Like he wasn't putting any weight on his right leg. Um, but today with the rosters being quote unquote announced, although the ducks didn't announce it, but cap friendly did, yes. he wasn't placed on IR. So that's good news. That is extremely good news because for those that don't know the way IR works is that if you're placed on injury reserve, you do not take up a roster spot, but you do have to remain on IR for seven days. Um, so it, and the ducks don't play after their game on Sunday until Thursday of next week which would be after the seven-day mark from today. So if the Ducks thought that he was not ready for this weekend or there's not a possibility of him being ready for this weekend and they wanted, they thought he wouldn't be ready until the third game of the season, they would have just placed him on IR today. And so I think this is really good news because this means, one, the injury is not going to be that serious, and two, there's a possibility, and I think a probably a strong possibility, that he plays one of the two games, if not both, on this weekend. And so we could get a couple days further into the week and he may not progress as well as they would have liked, and they can do retroactive IR to Monday, and then once again, he can be activated for the game next Thursday, and they can call up someone. But if it was a preset thing of he's this hurt, he's not playing this weekend, it's fully ruled out, they would have just done that. So I think it's good news overall. We also have Elliot Freeman kind of saying repeatedly that it's not as bad as they feared or it's not as bad as it initially seemed. Potentially miss some time. Yeah, like not really a true update, but mm-hmm. the arrow is pointing in the right direction, which is that it's not as bad as as it looked because it looked brutal. Like, I'm not going to lie. I, I was like kind of shaken up watching that. I would say the actual play did not look horrible. What it what I think was very jarring was his reaction when he had to be helped off the ice and his teammates reactions all around him. Yeah, the, the entire fact that practice they hu- stopped. The entire practice stopped. Everyone huddled up around Carlson and he had to be helped up off the ice without putting any weight on his right leg. And so I think the play kind of looked not mundane. I wouldn't put it that it was, it was a high speed collision with the boards, but you see that from time to time throughout an NHL game. Right. And so it was one of those where if he just popped back up, you would have thought nothing about it. Um, but yeah, Skylar Gustafson is saying that Puckpedia is stating that Carlson's starting the season on AR. Hmm. So, hmm, maybe there's a little bit of confusion. Let me take a look at that while while we keep going, though. Yeah, so, yeah, they have him as IR. Interesting. 
so they have so Monday, October 9th, this is a update from Puckpedia. Leo Carlson, lower body injury, will begin the season on injured reserve. Well, that so, is a change. Yeah, well, and we don't have like a timestamp of when that that went up. Oh, hey, I'm, I'm <laughs> if you if you hit the drop down arrow. Yeah, I see that now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm just glad they're putting crash the pond nowadays. That's all that. Yeah. That's all that matters. Um, but yeah, so maybe that changes it then. So so, so maybe he is on IR. Huh. Maybe he's not. Uh, I don't know. Like I've seen Puckpedia kind of go off the beaten path before and end up being right. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean. Right now, the, the truth of the matter is we don't really know. The team has not said anything. The team has yeah. not even announced its roster. They haven't released their roster. So that will, I think, be the telling thing here. Yeah, but but good uh, good on Skyler for, for bringing that to our attention, though, because I had not seen that. I do trust Cap Friendly pretty well, but Puckpedia is pretty reliable, too. So we'll, we'll just have to see on that front. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think if tomorrow comes and they announce the roster a little bit more on the duck side of it, and Carlson is not on not on IR. I think that's a good sign for him playing on the weekend. If he is on IR, then obviously he will not be playing well, on the weekend. The other thing too is if he doesn't play to start, like if he doesn't play for the first week, like that's fine. Like there, it's an eighty-two game grind. We don't know like if they do intend on him being up all year. If regardless, like you just don't want to have to, you don't want to go out of your way to just to get those first few games in. Like it's no, you want to make yeah. sure he's fully healthy. So I think the odd thing for me here from the roster perspective and why him going on IR doesn't make a whole lot of sense is now they only have 12 forwards. Yeah. That's why I don't, that's why I don't buy the IR him being on IR that much. Maybe maybe Zach Cassian has been secretly signed. No, he was announced by the ducks as being released from his PTO. Hey, you never know. But like, I feel like (laughs) Andrea Gazzino wouldn't have been sent down if that was the case. So we just don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We just don't know. Um, Next up, though, so we've got a few minutes here. Yeah. Just to quickly touch on what I think the roster will look like. So this is assuming Leo Carlson plays. So first line, Zegris, Carlson, Terry. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great line. They yep. look great in preseason. Caveats, of course, it's preseason, but they look great. Second line, Henrique, McTavish, Strom. I think that can work. It's not super ideal because I think Henrique and Strom are a little slow for McTavish, but like two veteran guys with... yeah you know, an up and coming center there. It's, I mean, they're all second line talents, I think in this league. Yeah. And then third line, fourth line, 13th forward are kind of a, a, a poo poo platter. Like you yeah. could really order it however you want. I do think Frank Vetrano is a lock for the third line though. Like I don't yep. see him on the fourth line. And then you have Jakob Silverberg who's been with Vetrano. Sam Carrick has also been with those guys at different points. So that's so my it- third line. So is Bo Grew also. I think Bo Grew in yeah. the Arizona game played there. This is this is why I'm describing it more as like a yep. you know a charcuterie board instead of what will actually happen. Brock McGinn, Bo Grew, Max Jones, and Brett Leeson. And, and Brett Leeson had a great preseason. I thought he looked a lot quicker, a lot more skilled. So maybe Max Jones is the one who sits out. I'm just going to go out on a limb and predict that uh, if you know once everybody is healthy, whenever that will be, Max Jones will sit out. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, I could see that. It's, I think it's going to be one of Jones or Leeson, and they may be swapping in and out for the the time. Because I think I think Brock, Brock McGinn is probably the best player out of if we're going with the four players. Brock of, McGinn should be in the lineup. Yeah, like Brock like he, McGinn. Like there's is, no reason for Brock him not McGinn to be. is the best player of that group. He's a good penalty killer. I think if Sam Carrick can re, regain 
um, the play they had two years ago, and maybe last year was a bit more of an anomaly coming off an injury. Um, I think Carrick and McGinn as a kind of duo is a really good defensive duo, actually, that will play some low event hockey, which is sometimes what you need from your fourth line. Just don't get caved in, play good defensive hockey, maybe pick up a goal here or there offensively, but you're just reliable, steady, and you're not you're going to play solid in those 12 minutes that you end up playing. So you think McGinn is better than Vitrano? Uh, Hardcore Luchador just said that. Is McGinn better than Vitrano? I mean, well, I, the four players I was talking about specifically were Jones, Leeson, Carrick, McGinn, to be fair. Okay. Um, I would need to really think about that a little bit because the thing with Vitrano is he's just able to score goals, which while I think he does, he, is, he does add offense. Yes. While I think he is such a negative defensively, I think that ability to create goals is a positive value add that is very difficult to find. And so it's whether I think that is a better situation than just the, the solid type of defensive steady play well, that McGinn brings. The other thing we should remember is that Vetrano was like fine defensively before he got to Anaheim. That's true. That's also true. Like his numbers cratered under Dallas Akins. This could be a, a Dallas Akins effect that is really impacting my, if he, my if he can get back to pre Dallas Akins hockey, Frank Vetrano, like he's just a fine replacement level player who can chip in some offense here and there, which yeah, for your bottom six is fine. And then to the blue line here quickly, uh, Fowler Drysdale to me will be the first pairing. And then I think it'll be Lacombe Gudis and then Minchukov and Labushkin. And then as we found out the, the seventh, the big AP, shocker, this, yeah, this is the big surprise. We kind of buried the lead here, but Tristan yeah. Luneau made the team. Did not have that on my bingo card. I've said that probably a million times through text already. I did not either. Um, and Erho Vakanainen is also on the team. That's, that's Also did not expect that, to be fair. Yeah, and so I think that the top six is pretty set in terms of like opening night. I don't like I don't see Luno getting put out there next to Michukov or something like that, but... Yeah, Luno. I mean, I think he had a good enough preseason. Like he looked pretty, you know, competitive back there. You know, mobile, worked hard in the corners, in front of the net, some just really clean first passes. You know, didn't really show anything that popped to me, like like how Pavel Minchukov did. But he did play just a very solid and responsible brand of hockey. And I think that when I look at Pavel Minchukov, when I look at Jackson Lacombe, Tristan Luno, and even up front, looking at like a Bo Grew. And Leo Carlson, I think that the Ducks really value that kind of style. And I was about to say, and we will get more into this after the break. Uh, Fall is here, gentlemen, and it's about uh, to get busy during the holidays. Don't let that stop you from sticking to your habits and being the best version of yourself. That's where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. These guys are the best in the skincare game with an easy routine. Keep your face looking pretty uh, no matter your schedule. Plus, what's a better gift than clear skin? Join the other 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self and first impressions uh, this fall. Plus, it's a great gift. Fellas, let's agree on one thing. You're going to brush your teeth today. Incorporating skincare steps before it guarantees to not mess up your routine, leaving your breath fresh and your face refreshed. And Caldera, actually, it's really nice. They provide you with a nice little little, uh, card that tells you about all the different items in their uh, in their skincare routine and when to use it. So you can put it up on your mirror, put it in your bathroom, and it will really help you understand when to put things on. They also create 
high performance men's skincare products and the regimen leads off their product line lineup a twice a day skincare routine uh, that transforms your skin caldera lab knows the skincare world is heavily female driven and has long been the wild wild west for men that's why they're making the solution simple the regimen create includes three products the clean slate the base layer and the good the clean slate starts your and ends your day the face wash leaves all skin types refreshed the base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. The good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of the serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. And the Caldera Lab Icon Eye Serum, it addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eye. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare. Made only with top-tier ingredients and clinical trials have found that 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger-looking appearance after using Caldera Lab for a few weeks. One minute morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. So, and just for our audience... We have an exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. I'm telling you that much. You can use CTP at calderalab.com and you can get 20% off right now. So once again, get 20% off with code CTP at calderalab.com to make unforgettable first impressions with the best gift this holiday. Great. Go check them out. Go check out our friends at Caldera Lab. Now, back to the roster so i think yes. luno luno just fits what the ducks are looking for right now i yeah. this is again why i don't think zellweger made the team because he just wasn't quite there yet but good for tristan luno i am very curious to see how much he will play right yeah like i i feel like just my own gut is that he will get a, like a cameo a couple games but i don't i don't just don't feel like he's gonna play very much and i certainly don't think he's gonna stick here the whole season yeah, I, I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens. I think Tristan Leno making this roster is the biggest surprise. I think Bo Gru might be up there also. I think those are the two but big, him it's big a, surprises. Gru is a bit more of a product of injury to me, with all well, due I think respect. It, I think it's a product of injury. I think it's a product potentially of waivers also. You may not have expected Bo Gru to clear waivers completely, so putting him on waivers you may may have thought to lose him or not, whereas Tristan Leno obviously is wa- waiver-exempt. And he is, uh, he would have, have had to go back to junior if he was sent down. Um, so I think that you're probably right. Luno is a bit more of a shock from that perspective. I am curious how it's going to work because they traded for Ilya Labushkin. And no matter how we view him as a player, whether you or I think he's good or not, that that's all kind of irrelevant here. The Ducks thought it was necessary to go and trade a fourth round pick to get him as a player. And so I think it's really interesting that Tristan Leno is still on this roster because who does he play over? It's not going to be Jamie Drysdale. It's not going to be Radko Gudis unless there's potential. Maybe Gudis is still licking his wounds from a long playoff run and is maybe not fully healthy and is not going to be able to play every game. There's maybe that theory that I think Derek Lee threw out there is just his own, uh, his own theory with no actual information behind it. And then you have Ilya Labushkin, which is probably the worst of those three players, but the guy that they just traded assets for. So I guess maybe it is Labushkin after I just kind of said all of that, but that's why I just don't think it's likely he stays up for that long or plays that many games. And so I think it is a, he's up here for a week or two. It's to get more practice time with the Ducks, maybe see a game or two of NHL ice time before sending him down, almost like giving him this carrot after having such a good year and having a good preseason. But Overall, he's not going to be here for very long. Having said that, yeah, 
I think that there is an alternate side of this where he's impressed so much that they want to keep him here and he is here for a couple months. I don't think that that's as likely sure. of a situation, but I don't think this is a situation where he plays eight or nine games and goes down. I think it is a, he plays two or three games or maybe no games and then goes down or he's up for a month or two and then is eventually maybe sent a release for world junior. And then after world junior goes back to uh, the Q, uh, QMJHL after that. Yeah. I just, I, really I don't think that's that. likely. I don't I think really that's likely, that. but it is a possibility here. Yeah. I just hate that model. Like the, it's like reminds me of what the cracking it with Shane, Wright. It's just like, Jostling people the, around doesn't work. So the issue there is Shane Wright didn't play. I think this only works if Tristan Leno well, is Tristan playing. Tristan Leno is not going to be a regular for two months. I would agree with that. But like I said, if he ends up becoming a regular and he's played so well that you cannot keep him out of the lineup. Yeah. I mean, that ain't happening. Like, okay. I'm just I'm just going to nip that in the bud. Maybe maybe I'll eat crow. I'll, I'll devour a hat on the stream here if that Didn't if that you happens. say you would devour a hat if that Cassian was not signed? I don't think I did. Oh, I'll, okay. You have to, you have to pull that up to, to I don't get me know. to do that. Um, but Luchador did bring up a question which I had already kind of thought about, but the power play. Yeah. So I I think it'll be the forwards will be Henry Carlson, McTavish, Zegris on uh-huh. the top unit. Maybe you could throw in Terry instead of Henrique, but I think 23, 37, and eleven are locks for the first unit. They look great together. And then up top for the the point. I honestly have no clue. Like I could see it being Cam Fowler. I could see it being Jamie Drysdale. Once he gets his feet back under him, I could also see it being Pavel Minchukov. It could go either way. Like, I honestly don't know. I could see them doing five forwards. Like, I just don't know. Like Zegers could be a great, uh, like quarterback. Five, on the four, power play. five forwards would be fascinating with this power play because I honestly think if you don't have, I honestly think if you don't have, uh, Pavel Minchukov at the top there at the point, you should just go five forwards. Um, I think if it's Jamie Drysdale, I think that that's an interesting look there because yeah, of his ability to move the puck. But he just doesn't add enough once you're actually set up to really like make me that moved. And like I could be wrong, but like, I'd I be just... curious because he looked good in that role last year. In the yeah. granted limited yeah, time mean, that he had there, very small sample. No, but, but it, fo- it it made me curious about it. Uh, I mean, do you think there's a chance Jackson Lacombe ends up there? Jackson he Lacombe looked... ran the power play in college. Yeah. He looked really good doing it with the Ducks at the end of last season. Like he yeah. had his he had his moments there, but yeah, I think that whoever plays the point on PP one is going to be up for grabs. I feel like leader in the clubhouse right now is Cam Fowler, just based on preseason and kind of historical background. But I don't think it should be set in stone. Like Cam Fowler, mm-hmm. like great defenseman at five on five, but I just have never really felt like he adds a ton on the power play. Like he can be effective there, maybe as your second unit guy, but. I mean, to me, he, he should not be a lock for that spot. I mean, you you just look at, right, the, what was it, end of the second period in the game against the Coyotes when they brought the puck up the ice and ended up with Carlson and Minchukov having a little bit of a back and forth and kind of sending the Coyotes player all over the place before lead, uh, sending the pass over to Zegras, who hit the one-timer and did not end up uh, finding the back of the net. But that little back and forth right there, I don't think Cam Fowler has that necessarily Wait, in Wait, are you bag. talking about Minchukov? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Keep going. Minchikov yeah. And, and Carlson had the back and forth. Oh yeah. I mean, but that's the thing is Pavel Minchukov is thinking, he just doesn't think the same as Cam Fowler offensively. Like they are yeah. just on different stratospheres. And I think Pavel is, is already ahead of him in that respect. Well, I also think from the perspective of, I think one of the main issues for the stuck power play last season was it became predictable, right? 
Yeah. It was get the puck to Fowler. Fowler's going to feed the one time pass to McTavish, and McTavish is going to try to hammer it past the goalie. Like that, yeah. that was the power play, right? And they tried adding some wrinkles to it with uh, Troy Terry being below the goal line, maybe giving the puck to, to Zegras on the half wall, and maybe trying to do things. But it all eventually led back to Fowler feeding McTavish. And I think the fascinating thing with Minchukov is he's kind of a floater. He goes around the entire zone. He's not going to stay at the point if he's on no. a power play. He is no. going to end up below the goal line. He's going to end up all over the place. And from the perspective of wanting a free-flowing power play that is unpredictable, that opens itself up to that a lot more than having a Cam Fowler who's kind of going to be more so stationary. stationary at the top. Yeah, and, and that's a good point because if you watch the power play the limited time we saw those kind of big guns together, there was a lot of movement. Like Carlson was on the left wing, but there were times where he would end up on the right flank. Zegras was in that one-timer spot on the right flank, but he was also moving around. And so I think that the Ducks understand that, hey, like we figured out something last year, but we clearly need more than that. And Newell Brown is in there. I think he does understand what this team needs. He might not be hamstrung anymore by other influences. And so I, I'm very fast. I'm, I'm always fascinated by the power play no matter what. But I think this year, especially it's there's there's a lot to work with there, especially with Carlson now in the mix. Yeah. So. The one thing with Carlson that I think in that Coyotes game really stuck out to me was on that left flank. I feel like he kind of loses a bit of his effectiveness or maybe it was just how they were set up because it felt like they kept trying to feed him for these quick shots. But from as a left handed shot on that side, there's just not really any ability to get a quick shot off from that angle. And it's like they kept working for that, but he couldn't do anything with it because it's not just not the right shot. And he's not the right player to be there. So yeah. I want to see a little bit of flexibility and movement there with him not necessarily being on that side as much, being in the bumper, being moved around a little bit more than being on that left flank. Um, yeah. Because what we've seen from him is that's kind of his go-to, whereas Zegers would probably catch and make a pass right well, off in, that. in Sweden, he played on the right flank a lot. Yeah. And so, and I just really don't love Zegers on the right flank. Like, I'll just... You know, no matter how many one-timer goals he scores, I just don't think that's his natural spot. And he you don't showed like, last, you, like you don't like, like just, the stick being straight up in the air. Yeah, uh, the like telegraphing the, the one-timer. He does that like skyscraper backswing. He does that I really hate because it just it adds nothing to your windup. It just looks cool, maybe. I um, quick side but, note on that: I was watching yeah. warmups when I was at the game on Thursday, and. Yeah. They it was him and McTavish out late, and McTavish was just feeding him pucks from the left point to Zegers yeah. being down low on the right side. Every time the stick is just straight up in the air, prepping that one timer. Every time he and I was just it. like, I was just like, this is hilarious. It's just not him. Like I think that last year he showed that he is lethal from the left side on his yes. strong side. Um, Agreed. Then anyway, we'll have plenty of time to discuss that. Um, but it's going to be fascinating. I guess this is a good segue into what we. Instead of doing a season preview like we've done in the past, just our expectations for this team, what we think can happen, what we're ruling out, just kind of going through it. One, Sorry, one other point that I want to make, though, real oh. quick about the rosters. Yeah. Because um, you broke down the fours. I don't really have a whole lot to add there. I think if Carlson is healthy, I think doing, from what we saw in that game against the Coyotes, because we haven't even talked about it too much so far, but Zegers, Carlson, Terry was just a joy to watch. Extremely fun. They are going to work together. They are going to be fantastic to watch. They're going to break down teams. I mean, you saw it on the very first shift of the game, right? They created a glorious scoring chance that Troy Terry probably should have buried when all is said and done. And they continued as the game went on. I mean, 
Greg Cronin just kept throwing them out there. I think you brought that up every other shift, basically in the third period. And they were getting rewarded for having such a strong game. And so I think that that is the right way to go because you need to have some sort of line that is that effective as the season goes on. You need to generate offense there. Um, But the point I wanted to make about the roster on the whole was the Ducks are opening the season with three rookies on the blue line and four guys under the age of 22. Yeah. Youth movement. That is youth movement. And I think it's fascinating with how many people thought that uh, just kind of the contrast of that to a lot of people kind of reading into the Pat Verbeek comments over summer about wanting defensemen to to marinate or whatever. I can't even remember what the comment was, but it was something along those lines of not wanting to rush them. I don't think he used marinate, um, but not wanting to rush defensemen that the league's hard to learn in and about strength and all this different type of stuff. And thinking that meant Robert Hag being signed was on this team. And turns out, no, he's not on this team. The Ducks, that didn't hamper any decision-making. Pavrubik didn't let that thought process impact him and make incorrect decisions in terms of making his roster cuts. I think from the perspective of he did not pick Robert Hag over Pavel Manjukov. He did not pick Robert Hag over Tristan Leneau. He did not pick Robert Hag over Jackson Lacombe. Like, yeah. that is all a sign where we were critical, I think, of Nathan Beaulieu being on this team last year. And, and that, right? Yes. And I think I think you were the one that brought this up of we don't really know about Hag because look at Beaulieu last year. I think that's a fair point. And I think this shows that this is a little bit of a different decision-making here. And this group is a little different than what there was last year. And I think four players under the age of 22 is extremely fascinating with this group. Yeah. I mean, I think that Haverbeek does deserve a lot of credit for that. And I think that just having watched all these players throughout the preseason, I think that he made all the right picks too. Like, I think that Lacombe is fully deserving. Lacombe is a, is an, he's had the biggest glow up this preseason. Like he is, yes, he is an NHL player to me, like right now. Like he, there, there's just no question. And then Pavel Minchukov looks great right now. You know, there, we'll see. We'll see how, if he sticks the entire season. I think that he's capable of it. I think that he's looked good enough, but we always want to be careful with overrating preseason play. So I'm not going to yeah. go too far there, but I, I really believe in him now. And yeah, Leno also looked good. And I think maybe the flip side to that coin is up front you know, much less of a youth movement. But I think the difference with the forwards is that it was a lot more set in stone with contracts and just kind of the hierarchy there. Like the only, the only only big surprise is I shouldn't say it's a surprise, but like Leo Carlson making it is, is noteworthy. I also don't think there were necessarily any forwards that were necessarily were pushing or of the, or I guess the better way to put it or of the skill caliber of the of a Pavel no. Chukov, of a Tristan Leneau in the forward ranks outside of Carlson. There was no Jackson Lacombe for the forwards, basically. No. Like no. like Braden Tracy, Jacob Perot, uh Pavel Regenda. Regenda is maybe the one where I think, you know, when you look at that bottom six, like he's I think good enough to play on that bottom six, yeah. but there's just it's just a matter of contracts too. Like but mm. Vetrano, Silverberg. Carrick, like these guys, like McGinn, these guys are all signed. Like you're just not really going to be able to move those. So there's just my, less chairs up front. My point is, I don't think he's locked in as an NHL or as much as a Jackson Lacombe. I think you could make an argument for some of those guys in the AHL. Yeah. Being NHLers or should sure. be on the NHL roster. But I don't think any of them are of the talent of a Jackson no. Lacombe, of a Pavel Minchukov, of a Tristan Leneau. And so I think that that is the difference when you're looking at the forwards versus the defense. Yeah. I mean, you, the counter argument would be, well, you know, Perot and Tracy were first round picks, but they just haven't materialized that way. They so. they have not played as well as those guys have in camp. 
Yeah, and Minchukov was a top ten pick. Like yes. he is he's the real yes. deal. Also, yep. little bone to pick. It's not pronounced Mitnyakov. Like please, please someone get this over to the Ducks broadcast desk. Like please, because it just hurts my ears every time I hear it. Um there's just no possible way it's pronounced that way in in the the, the mother tongue of, of Pavel Minchukov. So Yep. Okay. Uh but what do you expect from this team this season? Um it's funny because Evolving Hockey put out their season projections um, this morning, and HockeyViz also put out their season projections. Uh, I believe it was last week at some point in time, and they're kind of very vastly different. And I think that's hmm. exciting and interesting in the sense of Evolving Hockey had the Ducks projected points at 70.7. Okay. So Whereas HockeyViz if I can pull this up quickly enough, had the Ducks projected at, I think it was 78 points. If I can oh, wow. get there, uh, 80 points. Wow. Okay. 80 points. I mean, part of it feels like the high end and low end of the two are very different. Hockey Viz, Micah's model has the highest team at 100 points for projections mm-hmm. with standard deviations kind of pushing things around. Um, and the low end is uh, Chicago at 76. Whereas Evolving Hockey has the high end at 114 and the low end at 68. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's it's fascinating. I think probably the Ducks end up, I think expectation people should have is high 70s to 80 points. I think the Ducks should be trying to push for a 50% or a 500 record. And, I mean, we have a quote actually. Let me find it. I took a screenshot of it. Uh, on that serious XM interview that Pav Verbeek did, he was asked specifically about his expectations for this season. And not everyone would have heard this. Thankfully, Derek listened and put in our Discord the full quotation of what uh, Pav Verbeek said. He said, well, I think overall when uh, we kind of came into the season, we want to have a playoff mindset. I echo Greg Cronin's mindset here. We're here to win. What would be successful? Obviously, making the playoffs would be successful. But I think overall, we finished 32nd in the league last year. I want to see huge improvements in our offense and our defense. So obviously, the goal differentials. That's kind of where I'm going to be looking for big improvements. And if we can do that, we're going to be able to give ourselves a chance to win a lot more hockey games. So that's kind of where I'm focusing in. We're not. We're going to attack this thing in a playoff mindset the whole way. So yeah. that was a lot of speak. There wasn't a whole lot of actual like point projections put into there. But I think that sets the expectation of this is not a team that is looking to tank. This is a team that is looking to improve to be better. And I think if I had to set probably a point projection off of that, I would probably think he's probably thinking high 70 to low 80s. So I am not going to put a point projection on it. Okay. Because I think that the thrust of what Pat Verbeek is saying is correct in that mm-hmm. we should really be basing our expectations on how this team plays versus yes. what the end result will be. And I just expect this team to be competitive on pretty much every night. Even if it's a game against a top opponent, I don't expect them to get like trounced like they did last year. Like, yes, they're they're, they're probably going to lose those games to those top dogs, but at least put up a fight. At least just don't get completely walked over. Don't be a doormat anymore, which is what they were last year. And I think that they can do that. If you look at the system that Greg Cronin is trying to implement, this kind of more aggressive man-on-man style and just some of the personnel that they've brought in this brand new blue line. I mean, this, this blue line is completely different from the one that they started this season with last year, the growth up front with some of the young forwards. Like I think that they can just be a pesky team to play against. 
And and so if they don't do that, if they are once again a doormat or they're still very flawed defensively, like I will have some pause. But also I do think that the first 15 to 20 games of the season, there is going to be some feeling out and some adjusting to the the system that that Greg Cronin well, is, is preaching. So I think the one thing I'll add to that is I agree. I think that overall goal differential, expected goal differential, all that stuff, I, I think looking for improvements there yeah. is probably the most important thing. Correct. But I do think that you need to have, that needs to uh, end up as some sort of um, increase in points, right? To show that sure. it is working. It, it I will, though. Lost in, Felix. In, I'm here. Oh, hello. Did, did, did you lose me? Is it my end or your end? Your screen is frozen on my end. Now it's no longer frozen. Okay. Well, that. Can you hear me? Oh, people are saying your video is frozen. Okay. I think it was my end, but I think I'm back, maybe. Can you hear me? Let me, me. I'll be. This is fun. I love that this is happening right now. Oh, man. It's been a long time since this has been happening. Uh. See. Go on, Felix. Okay. Well, while Jake tries to fix his internet. Oh, I think I'm good now. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. I've Was been I able to hear tra- you. I've been able to hear you this whole time. I think oh. it's something on like your your own download or something. Um, oh, Michael B saying I'm going in and out. So sorry about that for the people listening and live streaming you you sound fine your video cut out a little bit your audio was cutting in and out for just a tiny bit okay uh but so where i was getting at was if you're going to have this progress right in goals for and expected goals for percentage i think that does need to see itself play out in some sort of added point project or point value by the end of the season but it will though like they're not going to (laughs) be what did they finish for last year like 50 something points 58 points or something like that like they're going to beat that but that's going my to point. Beat that. But that's my point, though, is I think setting some sort of expectation is important to understand what is considered success or failure because improving in that goals for and expected goals for should lead itself to an increase in points. But let's say that they finish between like 68. Like Let's say they have 68 points instead of like 72, right? Like, let's say that they're just below that 70 point threshold. Is it a failure of a season? Like, what if they had bad goaltending? From yes, I think context is going to be important there. Like, sure. that's the thing. Like on those fringes, I just that's why I think drawing a bright line is dangerous. Well, I think it's just setting the expectation point, and you're able to then analyze it after that to try to understand. Okay, what happened to cause them to be under expectation or above expectation? And that's where that's I fair. think that's where I think setting the expectation is important because it creates these types of conversations of okay, here's where they should be. They're not there. What caused this? Was it uh, poor offense, poor defense, poor goaltending? What was that? So that's where I think maybe a high 70s point point total. I, I think getting back to basically where they were two years ago, I think yeah. should be the goal. I think that that's a fine, that's a fine way to look at it. Um, because yeah, like at some point it should translate. Like they had 76 points two years ago. So... Set that, that as the, your, set that as your baseline. If they go over that, it's a success. If they I go under if they, that. If they get back in the 70s, like I think that that's, that's a good step forward. Um, yes. We, we shall see. We yep. shall see. But I'm looking more for just how they're playing because yep. I've, been, I've been burned before and I'm not going to be burned again. 100%. All right. Anything else before we start jumping into some questions? Uh, I mean, 
we've talked a lot about how the team is just going to play and how they're going to look. I'm very curious, you know, what is going to happen at the trade deadline because Elliot Freeman in their kind of team preview this morning talked about, hey, this is another season for the Ducks to acquire assets. And I'm like, well, they don't have big chips to cash in on this season. Like Adam Henrique, Jakob Silverberg, I don't know how much he's getting you, if he's even getting traded at all. Ilya Labushkin. Like, I don't think this is going to be the type of trade deadline that we have seen in years past. Like, I don't see a mass sell-off going I, on. I, I just remembered a bone that I have to pick before we get to questions. Okay. Can I go ahead and pick at this bone? What is the bone? The bone is, on my drive this morning, I put on the Steve Dangle podcast. Because I like Steve. I like Adam. I like Jesse. I think they're entertaining. And I feel like as the Leafs have gotten better, I maybe don't listen as much as I used to. Um... But I turn, tuned in every, or I tune in every once in a while because I like them, um, and I just always get so frustrated with their opinion opinions on the Ducks. And I think the reason I'm bringing this up is I view them as a proxy in some ways um, for the almost the general NHL opinion of teams, right? Okay. Because I think that that is in some ways a good proxy. Is it? And. Their opinion on the Ducks were they are still early in their rebuild. Yeah. Where I mean, is this? I, where is this opinion coming from outside of the fact that they were just bad last year? I mean, they are still kind of like at the starting line in a way. Like they have not yet taken that next step. No, they have not taken that next step. But they are not yeah. the. They are not the Sharks. This is a Ducks team yeah. that has Leo Carlson, that has Trevor Zegers, that has Jamie Drysdale, that has Pavel Minchukov, that has Tristan Leno, that has Jackson Lacombe that has all of these guys that are bumping into the NHL and starting to take those next steps. Like this is much closer and it's not at the same level because they don't have an Austin Matthews, but this is much closer to Austin Matthews. The first year that he was in the NHL with the Maple Leafs and they ended up in a playoff spot after finishing last in the entire NHL. And that's because they had been bad for a couple years and built up that talent base around them. And that is much more similar to where the ducks are than being in the beginnings of a rebuild. And so yeah. this general opinion and general view of this Ducks franchise of being early on in a rebuild that you hear parroted at different places, yeah. it's just extremely frustrating and so lazy to hear that it's just really, really frustrating. Well, the beginning of a rebuild to me is tearing it down. Yes. And and the Ducks have done that. Like they did yeah. the teardown. They traded Lindholm. They traded Manson. They traded they've Raquel. Had, they've had five straight years of top 10 picks, all of who have hit. Well, well, t- TBD on Min- some Minchu- of them. On Minchikov, sure, TBD. And but- even McTavish. I mean, we, we still don't know with McTavish. But point being, I agree with you that, yes, this is not a team that's at the beginning. Like, to me, the teams that are really at the beginning of the rebuild are few and far between in the NHL. Like, I think San Jose is one of them. Yes. I think arguably the Canadians are still in the beginning of their rebuild because they haven't fully taken it all the way down to the studs. But they also yeah. have a lot of youth. So, yeah, I, I just don't think the Ducks are in that. Chicago in the- I mean, is borderline also. I mean, Chicago is right there to me. Yeah. Like they are, they are right at the beginning because they haven't even. Yes, they have a bit of a crop of forwards or a bit of a crop of prospects, and they have Connor Bedard. But this is still Bedard's the only reason that there's they're not, not a, like in that conversation. There's not the makings of like a team. Like you look at that, you look at the team that they have right now, and it still kind of looks like a a shell company. Like it's still not really, it's not real quite yet. Whereas you look at the Ducks, and it's like okay, there's. There's something going on here that they're they're trying to be something. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but the other thing I want to add, uh, expectation wise, is um, 
trade deadline i don't expect the ducks to do the fire sale thing i don't really like i just don't think it's gonna be that type of season which kind of goes to what you're saying i think they're gonna try to be good and then this season my next thing goaltending like john gibson what's the excuse going to be this year for john gibson i want to see it a return to form i want to see john gibson just be average behind an improved team i think a team that will play better but i think ultimately maybe this is the season he loses his job like i think there's a very good possibility yeah. that lucas dostal takes the takes the baton and just kind of runs with it and replaces gibson i don't know if that will ever happen because it's so political right you know changing your yep. starting goaltender but John Gibson certainly has uh, has a lot to prove for me this season. Yeah, and about the deadline, I actually kind of think the Ducks could be soft buyers. Soft buyers, wow. By that, what I mean is that <laughs> oh. I think that if there is another player like an Alex Debrinkat, someone like that that makes sense, Yeah, I think that you definitely, we've seen how good the Ducks' blue line prospects are. And I think the rest of the league has seen that now. They're not all going to play on the Ducks. Yeah. You only have six spots. Yeah. And Gudis is signed for three more years. Fowler is signed for three more years. That yep. takes up a spot on the left side and a spot on the right side. And you're gonna if, have to pay them all. <laughs> like and like if Jackson Lacombe long term is gonna be on this team and and as is um as is Pavel Minjukov and Olin Zellweger, like Lacombe's gonna have to move to the right side. And so that ends up with what? Gudis, Drysdale, Lacombe? So where does Tristan mm-hmm. Leno fit? And so th- there's just so many of these these prospects that are coming, and we don't even talk about Ian Moore that much because he's in college, right? But Ian Moore is a really good right-hand shot defenseman, and if you like a Tyson Hines well, or a Noah Warren, right? I don't know like, if he's gonna. I don't know if he's gonna sign with the Ducks. Uh, I think he's under. He there's another year that they have his rights after this one. Yeah, I don't so, know. I mean, there's, if he goes a, back for another year, then maybe it's crowded. But, yes. the The point is, is that now is the time, right? I don't I mean, think that you're going to end up. That's the only scenario I think that they quote unquote buy. Like yeah, they are not that's why spending... I said soft buy. Yeah, just hearing the word buy for this team is just like, I don't even really see that as buying. I think that that's a move that they would make at any point in the season if it came available. Like whether it's in the off season or early or trade deadline. Sure, yeah. it could it could look as a quote unquote buyer, but I don't. And and the thought process is is you're buying a player that is young that aligns with your core window, and so. Yeah. While Vixler brings up in our chat uh, that why would you do this when they're still years away from being a solid playoff contender, the logic behind that is is that it has to be the right player. You're not going to just go and get the the first player that's out there and trade for the wrong guy or different things like that. You are going to find the right player that aligns with your con- with your age window of your team, and then he will be on your team for that entire playoff window. And also, if you go out and do this. You are then making your solid, yourself a solid playoff contender sooner than that. And you're dealing yeah. from this position of strength to uh, to make up for that or to uh, address that position of weakness. Also, the Ducks are not really a true... Like, this is why they're not a, a you know, cutting room floor rebuild team anymore is because they've... Like, their main stars, most of them, like, younger guys are on their next contracts. Like, they're not on ELCs anymore. Like, Trevor yeah. Zegers, bridge deal. Jamie Drysdale, bridge deal. But Troy Terry got that massive deal. And, you know, other guys will come do McTavish Carlson down the line, all the other guys we talked about earlier. So they're not really at this point of, hey, you know, we're still like just a bunch of ELCs and we can play around like they they're starting to have to pay for this team and they have a bunch of cap space. So it's not a big deal. But yes, like at some point you need to make this thing better and make it a winning situation. And it might just happen on its own internally, but 
bringing in a star and kind of cashing in on that surplus of young D that could be one way to do it. I mean, we have some questions. I think that we'll get into that. Yep. So all right, we'll, we'll get there. We're, we're over an hour in. This is going to be a long one, but I mean, it's fine. It's, it's the one that goes before the season. So it's the mega pod. We haven't even talked about the games on this weekend, but we'll probably it's, have questions about we it didn't, a little we bit. We didn't even we didn't even get to see the one on Sunday. Like it wasn't even televised. So Oh, I meant this upcoming weekend. The one the actual NHL games. What are we going to What are we going to say about those games? That, uh like, they're playing Vegas and and Carolina. Should be fun. What else uh, is there to say? Will JL said for next week, uh so he left this uh during the week last week, but um basically had this question if Pat Verbeek was at the helm in 2019. Would Zegras have been drafted? If not, who would he have gone for? So, oh, man. <laughs> I brought I I saw this question and brought it up. Here's who went after Trevor Zegras. Put Colson, Victor Soder, Soderstrom, Matt Boldy, Spencer Knight, Cam York, Cole Caulfield, Alex Newhook, Peyton Krebs, Thomas Harley, Lassie Thompson, Vili Hanola, Samuel Poulin. Uh, I probably butchered that. Are you going to read the rest of the round? I don't have to. I can like, stop. None of these. Like, w- yeah, it's... Like no. they, they take Tomasino is not in play at nine. They take Trevor's egress there. There's just really, maybe you take Matt Boldy. Maybe. I think Boldy. I mean, York possibly. I don't think they take Cole Caulfield. I don't think they take York. Maybe like, it's just, I mean, you also have to remember, right? That Martin Madden is still like at the helm here. Yeah. And, and so that is definitely going to hold weight. And it's not as well, if it's not as if Bob Murray was this guy that loved a Trevor Zegers type of play. I think, I think the big thing with Zegers was just that he, he quote unquote fell, like he could yes. have gone higher. And so yes. that's why he went at nine in part. And so I don't really see, I don't really see the ducks not taking him still. Like, I think they I think they would have still drafted him. Yep. But uh, who knows with Pat Verbeek these days, professional celebi. Uh, is that how you say that guy's name? The, the person that's, that's not going... it. That's okay. not his name. Oh, okay. Uh, Hunter said, who is the brilliant genius that said, uh, Cassian wasn't going to get a contract and was right. That was me. Was it you? It was. Uh, Shake and Wing said, how happy is Jake that Cassian is not on the team? Oh, thrilled. Thrilled. Um, D-Rock said, uh, how many games do you think Leno will play in October? I mean, I'm going two to three is my prediction. Feeling good about it. Uh, yeah, I think two to three. Yeah. Uh, Doom Grouser said, how badly do the Ducks lose the home opener against Carolina on Sunday? Six to one. Is the game better or worse than the season opener against Vegas? Oh man, that's going to be a really challenging game for them. Carolina. I'm going, I'm going with the hope, hope play that the Ducks win this game four to three because it's the home opener and shit happens early in the season that no one expects. I don't think they're going to get rolled over necessarily, but I think, the thing with Carolina that's different than the Ducks is that they already have their identity. They already have their foundation. They have their guys. They have their roster. They've been together now for years. And the Ducks are just trying to get to that point. So, hey, if the Ducks have done their homework, if they're prepared for that Sunday game, then maybe it'll be close. But if they're still feeling it out like we are kind of expecting, it, it could be maybe a little bit of a rough ride. Is the game better or worse than the season opener against Vegas? I'll go better. You know, I'll give them the home opener boost. I'll go worse. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. I'm trying to be, be hey, happy maybe, and positive. But now, over but, here. but, but now if it goes the other way, then you'll be, you'll be, uh, you know, positively surprised. So yeah. Mr. Jared go. said, are there any surprises about the recent roster moves before the season? Good or bad? I mean, Leno's the big one. We've talked about it. He's yeah. it's, it's surprising that he's on the team. It's not, it's not bad, 
Um, it's it's interesting. But yeah, outside of that, I don't think there's been any kind of like bad moves on, that I've seen. No, and I think overall the decisions that they've made in the preseason have been good. I think the roster yep. is probably the best roster they could put together. I think I think I agree with that, yeah. Yep. D Frenzy said, now that everyone is signed and the Ducks have the preseason behind them, do you think that uh, the team will do better than last year standing-wise, or do you think they will be in the bottom five of the league again? I think I mean, they'll be kinda, better better than bottom five. Yeah, we've talked about it, uh, yep. you know, but yeah, they'll be better than they were last year. Like, uh, Root I guarantee said, that. Jackson Lacombe, over or under 30 points this season? I don't know. I'll go under. You know what? Just to be different, I'll go over. There you go. Ducks Jagernet said, what What did you find concerning about their preseason, preseason results, and what do you think doesn't matter as much uh, when reviewing those games? I mean, what doesn't matter is that half the games, it's not even the, the team that it's going to play. Yeah, but I think I think in the context specifically of the last three games, right, where they the games weren't necessarily close in any of those three games, especially the one in L.A., I mean, even the one in Arizona, granted, Alex Daylock's last performance, and well, no we didn't one even was able watch to see it, it. So I'm not going to. No one, comment. no one was able to see it we either. Even, so. We didn't freaking see it. So, so at least the two, the, the two games we were able to see. Um, I think the game against the Coyotes at Honda Center had its ebbs and flows, and the Ducks yeah. had a really strong third period to it. They didn't play badly, I don't think. No, but I think, I mean, I just have a hard time buying into any preseason results after last season's uh, situation, where I've brought it up a few times now, but. That last preseason game against the Kings, it was like a six to five game, really entertaining, back and forth, all this stuff, and it kind of got my hopes up for what the Ducks would be that uh, last season, and they were nothing like that team, at all throughout the season. So, just led me to believe that nope, don't trust preseason results. Don't worry about them. We'll re- worry about them once the season begins. Yeah, and again, like it's still not the full team, regardless of of anything like it's still not the full roster it's not the full regular season intensity they're still working things out like it's just don't put like i'm not i'm not personally worried about it at all and yeah. and i would say and i would say the same thing if it was going the other way like if they had playing great so. uh rooch said how bad is mctavish's back going to be knowing full well that he has to he will have to carry both strom and vitrano on his line well i don't think vitrano will be on his line but i could be wrong about either. that we'll see what they do but yeah, I think he's going to have to carry the mail because there's not going to be a lot of speed on those wings. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to have to be in charge of transitioning the puck for that line if it's if it's Strom and Henrique. Yep. Um, Plant Ranch said, what are the possibilities for Olin Zellweger to get called up? Like, how many times can he get called up? And what do you think happens in terms of him playing NHL this season? Uh, I mean, he can be called up and sent down as many times as they want to this year with him being uh, waiver exempt. So... Expect that to probably happen a lot. Um, I think he gets called up at some point during the season. I don't think he spends the entire year with the goals. I think at some point he ends up playing so well with the goals that you have to call him up. NHL games, I say 20. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, but I'm, I do think we'll see him in the NHL. Like, guys get hurt. He might play well. Pavel Minchukov might fade. Like, we just don't know. But I think we will see him in the NHL. Justin Beck 11 said, On Monday morning of next week, what will the goal du- the Ducks goal differential be? Um, minus let's go, two. Let's go positive. Plus. So who? So how badly? So you think what they beat Vegas then? Because you said that's going to be the better result than Carolina. Sure. Okay. I'll, I'll just go positive. <laughs> okay. Malarkey said, "Do you believe Verbeek when he says Zegers is a core piece of, uh, to the Ducks foundation for the future?" This is something he said in that Sirius XM interview. I don't really buy it. 
<laughs> I mean, he actions, said it. Actions speak louder than words. He signed him to the deal. We went over all that last week. I think there are some questions there, but I'm going to take him at his word on this for now. We'll disagree okay. on that. Good on um, you. He, he also said, choose one duck NHLer and or prospects that you think can be a top 10 player in the entire NHL within five years. Uh, wow. I mean, Leo Carlson. Leo Carlson's the easy one, which is why I'm trying to be different. I'll go with Pavel Minchukov. Yeah, I was going to say him. Yeah, why don't yeah, beat the, you to that? Because I knew you would. Those two. Yeah. Go with those two. Goose MN612, and there's a type typo here potentially, uh, but says, when will Felix express his hidden desire for Jack Lopaka? I think he meant Kopaka to be the seventh defenseman. I've seen him spell it Lopaka before, so now I'm just confused. Okay. Is he is he confusing him with Josh Lopina? Like I think what, it's what is... I think it's a combi- combination of Josh Lopina and Jack Kopaka. Also, he's a four. I mean, whatever. Next yeah. question. Root said, "How many games will it take for the Ducks to get their first regulation win? Two, because I say they're beating Carolina. Two, because I'm being hopeful. Two, they'll win one of those two. Okay. Jack Jane said, "How many points do the Ducks finish the season with? Let's so go there's, 70, there's, there's 72. Your 72. I'll go. I'll go seventy-eight. Okay." Uh, let's see. The Puff said, if Carlson, Zegers, Terry is aligned with either Carlson or Zegers on the wing, what's a realistic point projection for Carlson? Well, if he plays the whole season, like if he plays... Yeah, assuming that, on that line, the whole season. I think that he can get to 60 points. Yep. I think so, yeah. Yep. Mitch Brown's beloved said, according to Freege on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, supposedly... Uh, both Elias Pettersson and Vancouver have both indicated that they're not sure about Pettersson in Vancouver long-term. Neither want to make a commitment. If this is true, do you think Pat Verbeek should try for it? If so, what do you think it would take realistically? Are we talking multiple picks slash good prospects like Lacombe, Hines, Warren, Leno, or does this touch a, uh, the A-tier prospects like Menchukov slash Selwiger, or even a good young player like McTavish or Drysdale? So one thing I want to clarify is that that quote was saying, you know, Pedersen has expressed some uncertainty mm-hmm. and what he was saying well, is that if he's, if that's, what's going to end up being the case, then they're, then they might not be sure about it too. So it's not like this is like a live controversy necessarily. It's more like hypothetical. Here's the thing. If it was, if Elias Pedersen is available, you absolutely jump on it and you pay almost whatever it takes to get him because he's, he's fits the ducks window. He's amazing. He's a dynamic offensive star talent who's also great defensively. Um, I do think, though, that every time these guys come available, we always think it's going to cost a King's Ransom, and it it never does. Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer. I mean, Jack Eichel. Like, like Jack Eichel, sure, you know, it was, uh, Pierre, what's, what's his bucket? Alex Tuck. But, yeah, Pierre, Pierre Luc Dubois. Dubois. It's always just, like, pieces, right? It's never this the best prospect on another team. So... The Ducks might not have to really dig too far into their prospect pool to, to get him. but I mean, probably a first-round pick and one of Zellweger or Leno, or maybe maybe not even that. No, I think, no. I, I, I don't think it would take that. You don't even like think in terms it would of take prospect, that. In terms of prospect, I think it you, might be a little lower tier. First-round first, lo- first round pick and Noah Warren? Yeah, and then maybe like an additional pick or a roster player or something. I mean, maybe you do Warren and Hines and a first-round pick. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> If you do that, like if that's available to you, you do that a million times out of a million. Yes. Like, yes. Like, well, this is the point that we're making, right? You only have yeah. six defensive spots. But like, let's say, but let's say it took a first round pick and like Olin Zellweger. Like, I think you still do it personally. Yeah. Like Elias Pettersson is just that good. If it would take a first round pick and like Mason McTavish, 
maybe that changes it because Mason McTavish isn't really a prospect anymore. But I still think you think about it. Um, yeah, because I mean, Ducks was bringing up that Timo Meyer's a higher end power forward, and Eichel had a lot of uncertainty. While Pedersen is elite, hundred point scoring number one two way center, so maybe it does take a little bit more than those guys. But I mean, it's similar situations that they are in there, uh, well, even if it would. Here. And yeah. also look at Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't necessarily have the points, but I think almost reputation-wise, Dubois has this like reputation that brings up his value. Well, I think just that even if it does, even if the price does go up, fine, it's paid it, whatever. <laughs> like it's an easy conversation to me. The issue is, is are the Canucks wanting picks and prospects, or are they wanting roster players? Because that that to me is the question of well, what are they trying to do? If they're trading Elias Pettersson, like they're, they're starting rebuilding, over. they're yeah, starting true. over. True. So, like, true. Like, even if they don't think it, that's what's happening. So. Yeah. Um. Let's see. First place station said, "Who's winning the games tomorrow? Preds versus Lightning. Who do you have in that game?" Uh, I'll go Preds. No I'll Vasilevsky. Go I'll go Tampa. Nashville's okay. bad. Uh, uh, Chicago versus Pittsburgh. This one's easy. You know what? Give me give me Chicago as an opening night thriller. Wow. Just because just no, Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard will score a hat trick in his first NHL game. And Sidney Crosby will score four goals. No, Eric Carlson love, will score four goals. I would love if Crosby and, and Bedard went toe-to-toe. The Penguins are going to be so much fun this year. I mean, as long as they stay healthy. As long yeah. as they don't, you know, get old. And then the final game is Seattle versus Vegas. Go Seattle. Go Seattle. Yeah, is, I'll, is I'll say I'll go say. Seattle. Uh, Brad said, do you agree with the players the team kept and dropped to San Diego? And if not, are there, or basically, are there any you disagree with? Um, I think for me, I would probably have rather seen Olin Zellweger stay up and Tristan Leneau been sent back to junior just from the perspective of, I don't know how long Leneau is going to be up with the Ducks. And I think if you want to switch out guys for those first two games, having, I like, really, really like the idea that I had, uh, come up with I fantasy booked it basically from a wrestling term and sold myself on it of Minchukov playing Saturday and Zellweger playing Sunday or flip that back and forth and let one of them watch the game from the press box and you can really learn a lot sometimes from the press box so I had fantasy booked that in my own head and sold myself on that being the route that they should go so I guess if I'm going to say there's any I disagree with it would be that well I kind of think that in a similar vein like same conclusion, but maybe different rationale. I kind of think that although I like what Tristan Luno did this preseason, and although I really have doubts about Olin Zellweger's play in the preseason, I kind of think that it makes more sense to have Zellweger up right now because Luno is just so much further away. Like he still has to, he still has yeah. junior to play, you know, Olin Zellweger is going to be a pro this year, no matter what. And so I think I can quibble with that, but I don't disagree on the merits because just how they played, yeah. one did play better than the other. So generally speaking, I don't really have m- many disagreements. Maybe Pavel Regenda should be in there, but it, it's not like big disagreements, to be honest. Yep. Uh, Shocking 911 said, probably too early to ask, but is there any team that have a short bad contract we could trade Gibson's long bad contract for without retaining? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I we mean, should mention Connor Hellebuck's deal... Yeah. that he just signed really opens the market a bit more for a John Gibson trade because that does help. And, like that helps significantly because it takes a major goalie off the market. If John Gibson still wants to be traded and the ducks want to trade him and he has a bounce back year this year, right? Like there are going to be teams that will take him on at that contract because first off that contract compared to 
uh, that contract looks really good now compared to Connor Hellebuck because it's less AAV from that perspective. So the Hellebuck uh, contract kind of sets the market for an elite goalie. So if Gibson can regain that form at all, it's going to help out the chances of the Ducks trading him from a, a AAV perspective. Um, but yeah, from a team that needs a goalie and would trade for him and give up a big, la- bad, uh, long, bad contract, I don't really have one off the top of my head. Well, the, the Habs just had to bury Joel Armia's contract, and I think he's got a year remaining at $3 million, so maybe yeah. they could make a trade there. Like, I mean, he's not the, a bad player. The Devils are always the easy like team to look at Yeah, and, and say that there's a connection there. Ooh. They don't really have any long, bad deals, though, do they? Well, probably not because they're the Devils. Yeah. Uh, but Lou updating us that the Dodgers lost. So awesome. Great. Are they out of it? We I know we have Dodgers They're... fans listening. So sorry for you, all of you, but I'm not sorry. I'm a Giants fan. So. You're a Giants fan. But um, um well it's a it's best of five. So they're down two oh now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have not been paying attention to the baseball playoffs at all. I haven't. Because the, the, there's not really a team to like bandwagon on for me. The an- the Angels hurt my soul too much. Well, like last year the Padres making it was fun. Even as a Giants fan, like the Padres were a good story. But this year, it's like, I don't know. The twins don't move me, put it that way. All right. All right. We're going to get to to YouTube and uh, and Twitch in a quick second. So please start getting questions in there. Throw a question at the very beginning for us. But I have one question from Twitter today from Troy Terry's Confidence saying, question for the pod. Can you guys rank each line uh, from opening night against the, these legendary lines? Uh, so from 2017. Um uh, opening night against let's just rank these lines how about that okay instead. okay the 2017 okay. lines let's rank them because i don't i all the ducks well, lines where, are pretty much better where than are these. the lines where am i looking it's a dm to me it was the it's the legendary 2017 lineup of your top line of richie grant perry your second line of cogliano wagner silverberg oh, third line God. of shaver met uh wah oh that's easy Lea- third, fourth line of Leambus, Kosala, and Holzer. I forgot. I can't, be- I can't I believe I forgot we- about Leambus. We probably did podcasts about those games uh, too. Twenty seventeen. Well, the, 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 no. an- the, the easy answer is the Vermette line with Kevin Waugh and uh, whoever the Ke- other guy was. What's number two? Kevin Kevin Waugh. Oh Shaw. Andrew Shaw. No, not Logan, Andrew Shaw. Logan Shaw. Logan Shaw. Fun. There we go. He was fun. Didn't you hate him? Uh, he had some good stretches. Okay. His his uh he had like a family member who would okay. always DM me. So number one, number one, that line. What do you have as number two? Uh, honestly, give me the Liambus Kosala Holzer line just for the pure like just shittery and chaos of a defenseman. Yeah. Mike Liambus is like, I think he's actually still playing somewhere in like in like a fake like fighting league basically. Oh, um, okay. That may that that checks out. <laughs> um, but Cali Kosala like hit a Michigan in the AHL and I thought yeah. he would turn in something never did. Um, and then what was the grant line? Who was, who R- was in the grant line? Rich, Richie Grant Perry. I mean, okay. I'll put... <laughs> no, you know what? No, out of principle, grant is going to the bottom. Um, and so the Sorry. Wagner line will be my third. Cogliano Wagner Silverberg. No, actually no. Give me grant line at number three. Cause that line is just down bad. So do you, do you rank any of these lines? Ahead of the current Ducks lineup, I guess is probably the no, actual question. They none, asked. not one. Okay, <laughs> not one. Like even the Perry Grant and what was the third guy? Richie. Like that is the only one that you have an <laughs> argument, and I, I just don't buy that argument. Man, so, what a team! 
What we've, a team. We've been through some shit. Like we <laughs> we've deserve see, we've seen some shit. So that would have been 17, 18. So yeah, we did a podcast about that. Yeah. We deserve like good hockey. Oh, we deserve man. good hockey. We deserve a playoff like a playoff round. We've had one playoff round. I mean, I would I, at this point I just want playoff hope. Like just give me a playoff <laughs> race. Fair. Give me a playoff race. All right. So for those of you listening to this on your favorite podcast services, you can find us each and every Monday as the season goes on at 8 p.m. The only reasons why we won't be on Monday is if there is a game on Monday. Um, But you can find us there at youtube.com slash crash the pond, where if you're listening to this, I know you have a YouTube account. Yeah. I know that you do. Everyone does. And if you do subscribe to our channel, like our videos. If, if you hit that notification bell, you'll be notified when the podcast go live, goes live. You'll be notified when Felix drops a video breaking down like Trevor Zegris. Yeah. Like he did on the weekend. That was fantastic. Oh, You'll we get, just hit we just hit 900 subscribers, by the way. So go us. There we go. You will get clips of this podcast with fun little snippets from the episodes on YouTube shorts. So go subscribe to us there. We see the analytics. If you're listening, watching this on YouTube, I see that you're not subscribed. Subscribe to us there. <laughs> and then you can also find us at twitch.tv slash crashpond, where if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days, and it does help out more than you can imagine. You can be just like Kempafu, who resubbed with Prime for his 42nd month. Damn. And the comment he had during it was free OZ. <laughs> free Zelliger. And then Fatural also resubbed with Prime for 28 months. So thank you to, so much to the both of you. If you have Amazon Prime, that's a really easy way to support us. So yep. um, start throwing questions in the chat. I see a couple on YouTube chat on Twitch. If you've got some, throw them in there. Uh, Duck said, what does Enrique fetch us if he's on a 25-goal, 50-point pace? Probably First the, round pick. Probably the Manson return plus, like the like maybe a better version of that. I think so more. Like, 20, 20, if he's on a 25-goal pace, that means he's over 20 goals. Yeah, I mean, like, I think first-round pick and a prospect is is what I would look at in that situation. Yep. Uh, Ducks also said, do you protect Leo as healthy opening night? I mean, I'm not going to predict that because I, no, I have no clue. <laughs> too much unknown currently with the fact that one major cap website is not listing him on IR and another one is. So, yeah. Yeah, a little bit no of... Clue. Yeah, as Skyler brought up, haven't seen it announced, but yeah, Puckpedia has Leo on IR to start the season. Yeah, so... Uh, We'll have to see there. Uh, Duck said uh, predictions for one or more of these players. Age uh, oh. predictions for one or more of these players. AHL point totals: Goshe, Nextorenko, Pasajov, and Zellweger. I have like no context of actually what a good point <laughs> total is in the AHL. Well, I will. I will say this: I think Zellweger will have the most points of any of those guys. If assuming I mean, like he plays, you know, sixty plus AHL games. I was gonna say he's the least likely to play a full season. Is the issue. But let's say that he does. I think he will have the most points. So he will have the highest point per games. I think that that is a valid question or valid point. I say he he's at a point it. per game. I think he's going to put up a lot of points in the AHL. Yep, I agree. And you know, um, as far as the rest, like I don't know, Nikita Nesterenko, just whatever. Sure, pass the job maybe. Uh, yeah. Skyler Gustafson said, uh, "Question: Once healthy, do we see the Z Carlson Terry line regularly?" Yeah, I think so. I think that that's what they want. I think that it makes sense. It's not necessarily what I would do, but given the lack of wing talent on this team, yeah, I, I kind of like just putting them all together. Like there was some consternation over the weekend of, oh, you know, you don't, 
don't load up, you know, that that completely destroys the rest of the lineup. It's like you need a good you need good lines to win games. And it's not you, as if the second line's not like yeah. a good line. But like you, that you has need, second line talent. You need lines that can score. The the Zegers Carlson Terry line will do that. And then yeah, McTavish Henrik Strom is like just a, a second line. That is a true second line. Yeah. So the only downside to doing it is that you do have a true top six, bottom six. You don't have like this kind of top nine situation in a fourth line. And so you really have to be careful about those minutes. But yeah, I mean, the thing for the Ducks at this point in time is I think bottom six talent really thrives with a good system. And I think a system really makes a big difference there overall. Yeah. And so I think we're just so used to under Dallas Aikens, the bottom lines being complete and hot garbage. Yes. And I think if these fourth and third lines can just be neutral or just a slight negative, and then you have the top line just being a complete and utter like positive dominating shifts, things like that, put them out there for 18, 19 minutes. And the second line taking advantage of things when they get it, but are more so a neutral type line. That is a recipe to have some success. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right. Vixler asked a question. Is this Max Jones's do or die year in Anaheim? Well, so he's an RFA with arbitration rights this summer. Um, they could just not give him a QO. They could just walk away from Ver- Max Jones. Verbeek, Verbeek has done that way more than I feel like I've seen a GM do, although I think it's just something that's happening more and more often. Part of it, too, is, yeah, the cap situation. And anyway, there's factors there, but I think it's possible. Like, he has not impressed me whatsoever in the preseason. I think that there's, as we talked about, in that bottom six, like, there's a lot of bodies there's a lot of guys who can come up, you know, maybe not this year, but the year after. And so I do think that he needs a good season. Like maybe it's not a true do or die, but he needs a good season uh, to really cement not just his place in Anaheim, but just his marketability for the next team. Because yeah. I feel like that's what really screwed Max Contois is that he was so bad in Anaheim that he was only able to get a PTO. And did he make the Vegas Golden Knights? I don't, I don't think he know. did. I don't think he did. I don't think I saw that he was signed. Did the so did the Golden Knights finalize their roster? Are they one of those teams that hasn't released it yet? I don't know. Let's see. What are they listing on? He's still listed as a PTO on Cap Friendly. So is he? Yeah. So I think that they probably didn't uh, didn't finalize it. Yeah. So unknown. But uh, anyway, right. but that but that's what can happen if you don't solidify yourself. Yeah, and then Vixler said, or sorry, Root said, uh, who on the bottom six thrives statistically under Greg Cronin? Ooh, um, if we're going to pick w- one player, I would say Brock McGinn. Yeah, I think Brock McGinn is just the best player in the bottom six. Yep. But I think I think the guy who could have the best like return to form is Sam Carrick. Because I think mm-hmm. that Sam, Sam Carrick was good under Dallas Higgins two years ago. Had a really bad year last year along with everyone on the team, basically. So I think that he he could see his stock rise back up. Yep. Uh, so we'll get in. We, we now have in discord, a shit show section for questions. I think we have, I think we have one more question. I, yep. Vixler. We will get to, we will get to that shit show after this question though. Okay. Uh, Vixler said honest thoughts on Leia Hextall. Um, like I wanted to root for Leia Hextall like really bad. I, I think a lot of the initial pushback on her was unfair. I think it was problematic to say the least. Yep. But I think as time has gone on, like she's kind of she's made it harder to defend her, like just getting stuff wrong. I think the errors are the issue, right? Yeah, it's just like making mistakes, not knowing certain things. It's like I don't want to be judgmental. I try not to be that, but 
there are a lot of really hard jobs out there that people have to do. And broadcasting is one of them in some senses, but I feel like preparing and just knowing the players' names is like the easy part of the job. You should be able to do that. Most people should be able to do that. And look, there is such a thing as, you know, quote unquote, chalkboard blindness, stage fright, where you just forget on the spot. It happens to me on this podcast. Same. So I don't, I don't want to judge completely, but like we can only judge the result. And like that does affect my opinion of her like credibility. Doesn't mean she can never be good, but that's just kind of where it's at. Yeah, I, I think that she gets way too much flack. Yeah, I think there's a lot of nastiness towards her. That's I think the nastiness is really unwarranted. I think that early on she did a really good job. I think that she provide. I think the issue is she provides a very different cadence, a very different voice than a lot of your traditional hockey broadcasters. I think that that is the fact that she got. And I think that was completely unjustified and unwarranted. And I think that giving her broadcast is a good idea. The issue, like you said, is the mistakes. And if those continue, then it starts to become a much bigger issue. Um, yep. So, yeah, uh, we have a couple more questions that popped in. So we'll, we'll get to those. Uh, Duck said, I, too, am on the boat. The Ducks will be a team fighting to be a 500 team. My only problem is there are only three to four teams I can confidently see us being better than. Um, those teams being Chicago, Philly, and San Jose, possibly Montreal. I can't see a team like Nashville that has Yossi, Soros, Forsberg, McDonough, and O'Reilly being worse than us. So I guess the actual question is, who do you see us being better than? I think that's a really fair like objection because there's a lot of there's a lot of teams in the NHL where you can't confidently say they're going to be bad. Like we we kind of went through this with our recent like, yeah. fantasy draft, but yeah, I think they're going to be better than Columbus, better than Chicago, better than San Jose, better than Philadelphia. Pains me to say it, but I think they're going to be better than the Canadians. Mm-hmm. Pain, pains me to say it, but outside of those five, tough. Yeah, but that's kind of the point, right? Is you want to start being in there and start pushing it, pushing into that that mix to where it's questionable that you could be better than them. They're maybe well, not for sure yeah. going to be better, but it, they're in that mix to start pushing up higher, which is where they start getting closer to 500. Yeah, I think if you're outside of the bottom five, like now you're at least in the mix, like you're saying, they could be better than Vancouver because I just have no faith in Vancouver. Yeah, um, same. It could be, be, could be better than St. Louis because I just could think... Could be better than Nashville. Like I think Washington could really fall off this year, as uh, as I controversially said on our bonus podcast. Um, I mean, hell, like maybe they'll be better than Arizona. Like we don't know. So there's a lot of teams that they could be, but those are the teams that I think for sure they'll be better than. So yep. And Hardcore Luchador said, "Question asked over drinks. Say how many sixty point players do the Ducks end with? How many seventy? And is there an eighty? I will go with. You know, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say they're going to have four. 60 plus point players. Wow. McTavish, Zegris, Terry, Carlson. 70, they'll have two. 80, they'll have one. So Zegris the 80? Zegris is the 80. Terry's the 70s. Okay. I buy that. I buy I'm picking up what you're putting down. All right. And now let's jump in to the shit show questions. Uh, Let's see if I can somehow work my way through this. Uh, (laughs) D-Rock said, who is better, Sicard, Felix, or Gelix? Well, I want to put this out there. So if you've listened this far, the next few questions are going to be more of just off topic. Yes. Shoot, shoot the breeze. So shit show listening from here on out. You're not going to miss anything hockey wise. So keep listening. I would recommend if you want some laughs, but this will not, this will be a bit more off topic. So, yes. So in discord, I, this but hold in on. discord last week, there was like an AI image that people kept posting that had the crash Spawn podcast and said like, 
Jelix, Jelix Rudolph or something like that. But I so, would just say that if you're tuning out, if you're tuning out because you don't want to listen to the off topic, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave us a review, subscribe on YouTube. If you just do those things, leave, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, that will go a long way. So thank you. Yep. Anyway, yep. Uh, so who's better, Sicard, Felix, or Gelix? I don't know what the fuck this is. So, <laughs> well, there it is. Yeah. Uh, Jake has said, should Lou be banned from food takes? Yes or yes? Yes. No. Yes. Let Lou live. Let yes. Lou live. Oh, actually, no. I don't want him uh, banned. We need Lou. We need him yeah. as like, you know, he he's a spectrum setter. Like, <laughs> yeah. We can always kind of rely on him to then potentially have a better take coming in. So yeah, it, it sets the the bottom of the tier. So thank you, yeah. Lou. Lou. Lou needs to be appreciated. Yeah, I appreciate I think, Lou. I think Jacob and all the lab guys should let Lou just have a 10 minute segment going off on food. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree uh, with that. All right. Uh, Johnny said, who is most likely to get banned from the discord? I'm going to go with Appa for when he kept saying Zegris in all caps. That was actually <laughs> that that was that was flirting with danger. Flirting very much so. And who had a better tenure with the Ducks, Lassie Thompson or Simon Benoit? Oh, my God. <laughs> Man, I feel bad for Lassie Thompson. Uh, I'll go Lassie Thompson. I'll go, I'll go Lassie Thompson also. Um, all right. Plant Ranch said, who is your top three or what is your top three least favorite Halloween costumes you've seen or worn? Uh, seen or worn? Oh, when I, I was really like, th- when I was like four or I don't know. It was like my first Halloween. I was like a robot, but I was basically just like a cardboard box. <laughs> it was pretty rough looking but that was a good one i think um the worst one i mean all the like problematic ones like if you're dressing up as like a native american or you know yeah. like that's don't do that um i don't know i can't really think of any i haven't done like halloween parties in a long time so yeah uh what i yeah i don't have strong halloween opinions i i wear what my wife tells me i'm wearing <laughs> um well, then yeah uh vixler in our twitch chat which is off topic also jake updating our child's skating progress uh no progress because we're working on walking still so he needs to walk does he uh, need to know how to walk to skate yes he needs yes does he i'm not not doing this this little bit again not letting the spit continue uh second place louis said favorite non flip-flop shoes you've ever wow. had flip-flops are an abomination of footwear by the way lou they're not no I, so i wait i'm going to change my answer uh, from the earlier thing, Lou is the closest to being banned for that that statement. Favorite shoes, man. Um, I may actually go with a shoe that I have now, which are my um, Air Jordan Miami Vice Edition. What? That is I not love, what I expected you to say. I love I love these shoes. They're just Jake. such a good color. If you see me at a game, I'm wearing them a lot of times. Um, Jake they're, has some they're wild like, footwear. They're like a a. They have. They're mainly white and black, but they have. Uh, some pink and light green accents to them. It looks really good. It's almost like the green the Ducks have had. One of the most comfortable pairs I ever had is their original Nike Free Runs. Do you mm. remember those back yes. in the day? Yep. They were extremely comfortable. Yep. Um, the other shoe I always wore in college was the Nike SB Janoski. It was like the. It looks like a Vans combined with a, a Nike shoe, and it just I always loved the look. But mm. yeah, I these also days, love. I'm pretty low key. I mean, I, I love my ultra ranges right now. They're just a yeah. comfy, good looking van. Yeah. Uh, van shoe. Great, great look. Uh, 
Rooch says, Lou face emotes win. I'll, I'll do it eventually. Hey, Odiflo said, thoughts on Leo Dan's musical legacy. Who? Leo Dan. Do you Who's not know that? who Leo Dan is? No, I don't. He is the person that will be gracing Honda Center on the night of the season opener for the Ducks. The who? night before the Ducks have the season opener. Who? Or their, their home opener. Who Leo is Dan. I don't who know, the Google hell him. is that? It, is he hey, Mr. Irrelevant? Our good friend Mike said he was going to be at Honda Center in a week's time or on October 14th. And why, so, why is an Argentine composer and singer just why? Anyway, doesn't matter. Yep. Playing at Honda Center. Jack Chains said, question for Felix. What were your feelings watching George Kittle secure a win for your 49ers, but also beating you in fantasy? GG's. I mean, I'm good with it. Destroying the Cowboys always feels great. Hence the Niners hat on the podcast today. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, the Puff asks, ravioli or Italian Hot Pockets? Change my mind. You're wrong. I mean, wait. You're wrong. A hot Pocket is like Italian, though. Oh, man. Really? Don't do this. <laughs> the, they're, they're calzone. Hot Pockets basically are not calzone. food. Hot Pockets are trash. <laughs> I wouldn't give my dog Hot Pockets. It's like, just... <laughs> Full stop. A, hot, a, a hot pocket, especially a and pepperoni. A it's just a calzone. It's just a calzone. That's all it is. No it's one an thinks easy to reheat. No one calzone. thinks. No calzone. one thinks these things. Like a, a nice, great homemade ravioli is. Yeah, you can't no. even compare that to a fucking hot pocket. I'm I sorry. agree. A ravioli is not comparable to a hot pocket. It is not. Okay, it's very well then, different. Well, then we're ignoring this question then. But I'm we're saying a hot pocket it. is a calzone, so it is Italian. I'm just not. I'm not doing this. I'm too tired for this. <laughs> okay, that that's it for these questions. Ducks had a question though. Jake, won't you make the jump into the MMA world, being that you're a huge wrestling fan? I've had my my ebbs you, and flows you, with you MMA. You flirted with it. I flirted with it. It's fun to watch. I think the hard part with MMA is just paying for every single pay per view. Anytime well, you have to watch it, that's why you don't. Yeah, that's why I don't watch it. Like well, I'm no, more th- than that's wh- why you don't pay. <laughs> oh, fair. I mean, you and I used to split. But we, I, I used to be really, we used to do that a lot. And looking we used back, to do I'm like, that a lot. damn, I should have just been streaming. <laughs> we did. Um, so I, I've jumped in. I know some of the guys. I've had times where I've watched it more. Had And right now is the time I don't watch it as much at all. It's entertaining. It is. It's entertaining. It is. It's yep. a, I respect the discipline of it. It's, it is an art form. Yeah. And it's really freaking difficult. <laughs> yeah. Like 100%. Like, I would never do that. Um, did we have anything else? Nope, that is it. There's some there's some good chat in the the chat here. Um, Skyler's saying go birds, see in week thirteen. I mean, you know what? I I hope that you have a good season for yourself. I can't support openly the Philadelphia Eagles, but that will be a great game. Um, does Felix even have a dog? I don't. But I, if I had one, I would not give it hot pockets. I, I don't want to poison it. Um. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> on that note we are almost two hours into this podcast but you know yeah, what? I, I zoned out it's the eve it's the eve of the season and it just feels right um we're gonna keep this party going all season long and beyond if you want to help support us and keep this thing going the number one way to do so the easiest way the least time consuming go and leave us a rating and a review on apple podcasts just search crash the pond leave a review and if you do like not bot leggy did on Tuesday, we will read it on the show. So here we go. This is a five-star review, new review, coming in hot 
for all you NHL fans, I'm trying to do my Kevin Weeks impression. It's not working. Um, breaking news. So this is the title of the review beyond the eye test. Jake and Felix view the game of hockey. We all love with modern and collected approach using analytics and stats beyond your grandpappy's plus and minus and very total. Go. They can't be seen through the eyes alone. The guys foster a friendly environment in the discord, welcoming all where you can find conversations about anything and everything. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much for the kind words. We do appreciate that. That's pretty much exactly what we're shooting for. Uh, a friendly environment, uh, a bit of a different approach to the game. That's what we want. We want we want to have a good times. That's, different that's than it. the conversations we'll hear on the broadcast. Yeah, we're being asked to have the hockey guy on the show in the chat here. We could. Jake, do you, do you want to chime in on that? We'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, another way is you can subscribe to us on Spotify. Uh, leave us a rating there. Leave us some feedback. Also, join our Patreon community. This is really, I think, the best bang for your buck. For $1 a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord server. You get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. It's honestly the best. You just heard it there in the review. People love it. It's welcoming. It's friendly. It's it's everything. <laughs> There's channels for every single topic. Some some good little sub communities in there within yes. the Discord. So like if you're a wrestling fan, there's a wrestling chat. If you're a baseball fan, there's a baseball chat. It's just the best. Um, there's a, there's something for everyone in the Discord, which is something that I I love about it. For five dollars a month, you get the Discord plus you get access to two bonus podcasts. And Jake and I laid it all on the line on the most recent bonus podcast. We did a, a draft of the teams we think will do the best. The loser, basically the person whose teams have the least amount of points, is going to have to do something embarrassing. So if you want to hear that, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, definitely some some debates going on in there. So go check that out. Um, also subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, hit the notification bell. You know, leave comments. Do everything. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I think it's more worth it than ever. We've got the shorts, or sorry, the clips going up of the pod, so you can get some bite-sized. Uh, highlights of the podcast we've got uh, videos as well of player breakdowns so if you want more of a film-based aspect to balance out our analytics we've got you covered there we're really trying to hit a thousand subscribers we're only 100 away we're at 900 now so please help us out there uh, check out our website crashthepond.com we'll have a season preview article up there this friday uh, courtesy of our good friend mike and then also f find us on social media we are on twitter formerly known as x and uh, Jake is on there at Reindeer Games 91. I'm on there at Felix Card. And on that note, we are going to be done for today. Talk to you all next week, and we'll have Ducks hockey to talk about. Should be a lot of fun. Hot pockets are calzones. Bye. They're not. They're not.